Well, good morning again. Welcome to Anchor Church. Uh, my name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, and it's good to be back. Um, it's been a few weeks. Um, so uh, my wife uh, had our uh, daughter about three weeks ago. And I've just spent been at home spending some time uh, just just loving on them and, and learning how to be a dad of an infant again. So that's been a blast. But um, no, it's, it's been awesome. So, um, but it's good to be back. Um, today we are jumping back into our Least Last Lowest series. Uh, and first, before I do that, I just want to say thank you to Brian and thank you to uh, Pastor Richard for filling in for me while I was gone. Thank you guys. Um, there's no one else that I trust like more to do that. So th- thank you guys. You guys did great. I appreciate you holding down the fort. Uh, it was it was awesome. So thank you. Um, and also another quick side note. That's awesome that Brian Brian that you won. I think you bowled like the game of your life. Is that right? Came out of nowhere. He was bowling like 120, 130, and then boom, 174. Like, wow. Like, okay. But you got, you got to know I'm coming for you next year. Um, okay. Little, quick story. This has nothing to do with my message, but I feel compelled to tell you. Um, in 2017, me and some friends, we went to uh, an, uh, the office trivia night at um, a restaurant in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. And I thought, oh man, there's no way we're losing. Well, we got like out of 28 teams or so, we got 14th. So like middle of the road. And I was devastated. And I said, never again, never again will I lose at trivia for the office. So for the next three years, literally, I'm not exaggerating, the next three years I watched The Office on a loop. On a loop. Every single day I would watch The Office, and as soon as the series would end, I would just start right back at the beginning and I would watch it over and over, so I would never lose again. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, anyways, we are in a series called Least Last Lowest, and... um, my series to, or my message to start the series was just called to serve, and, and just, I just talked about how we just, as Christ followers, it's in our DNA to serve. We are called to serve. Well, today, the, the title of my message is called to serve my family, um, and I want to talk about what, like, what the Bible has to say about that, but before I do that, I wanted to read to you a little, um, a little excerpt from an article that I read about President John Adams. John Adams was the second president of our country. He's one of our founding fathers. I wanted to, I wanted to read this little excerpt because I thought it was interesting. And it, it, to me, it, it kind of pertains to what we're talking about today. So President John Adams' uh, family had more than its share of black sheep. John and his wife, Abigail's eldest child, who was also named Abigail, she married a deadbeat. <laughs> and and uh, when uh, the daughter, Abigail, died... This guy basically abandoned their children to the grandparents. So not a great situation, right? Son Charles married the sister of uh, a guy who basically blew all the money. Like uh, he, uh, he married the sister of, of a brother-in-law who, who uh, basically spent all the money. He died of alcoholism, left his widow to, care, uh, to the care of his parents, Son Thomas Boylston also became an alcoholic uh, and, and again left the children to the care of the family. Uh, John Quincy Adams turned out well, like he turned out to be like one of the presidents of our country, right? He turned out well, but uh, he and his unhappy wife, Louisa, hardly went unscathed. 
Their first son was an alcoholic and committed suicide at the age of 31. Their next son was expelled from college, failed in business, and died of an alcohol-related illness. Only their youngest son, Charles Francis, uh, reacted against the family pattern by his exemplary, exemplary sobriety, his prudence in business, and fervent dedication to his wife and children. He spent years writing the bi biography and editing the words of his grandfather, John Adams. But he concluded this. So Charles Francis, right? He's the, he's the grandchild of John Adams. He concluded this about his family. He said, the history of my family is not a pleasant one to remember. It is one of great triumphs in the world, but, deep, but of deep groans within. The history of my family is not a pleasant one to remember. It is one of great triumphs in the world, but of deep groans within. We just had a, a little peek into the family life of second president John Adams, uh, who's renowned, he's revered for being one of the founding fathers of our country, right? Like that, that's what he's famous for, being one of the founding fathers, being the president, like helping get this nation started. But from what we just read, it sounds like, it sounds like his family was in shambles. It, it appears that uh, as, as if John Adams, he devoted his life to this country, but he completely neglected his family. That's, that's not great. Have you ever known anybody like this? Have you ever known a family like this? To everyone on the outside of the family, it, everything looks good. The, the family looks tight. The family looks successful. It looks like they're, they're for each other, but like on the inside, it's falling apart. Have you, ever, have you ever known somebody like that? Have you ever known a family like that? I think it's way more common than we know. I think, I think that type of thing within families is way more common than we know because we, we gauge success based on what the world says is successful. We gauge success based on what culture tells us is success. And success is, is getting more and, and, and building uh, businesses and getting money and retirement account. That's what success is. And then we completely neglect our home. Maybe you've experienced this with your own family. Maybe maybe you are currently in that kind of situation right now. That's currently your reality where it looks good on the outside, but your family is in shambles and you don't know how to fix it. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? When, when things are falling apart at home, what do you do with that? How do we fix that? How do we begin to repair that? Today, I want to look at what the scriptures have to say about this. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we love you. We thank you uh, for this day. We thank you, God, for your word and that you've given it to us that we might live the best possible life here now. Um, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to receive your truth today. I pray um, that, that we wouldn't um, close ourselves, we wouldn't close our hearts off to, to something uh, just because it's hard to hear or, or uh, makes us uncomfortable. God, we want more of you, and we want to be more like you. Help us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up uh, to the New Testament and the uh, Gospel Luke. Uh, we're going to be first look, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, but we're going to be looking in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke today. Um, so you can go to Luke first, that's where I'll go first. But remember when we, when we began the series, I read some scriptures from the Gospels where Jesus specifically referenced becoming the least, becoming the last, becoming the lowest. And just a little reminder 
Um, every time Jesus made one of these statements, uh, it was after multiple instances of him serving someone else, of him doing some kind of service for someone else. So he wasn't just telling his disciples to do something that he didn't model first. Luke chapter 9, verse 48. These are the words of Jesus. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. So when Jesus said this, his disciples were arguing amongst themselves, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God? Peter says, I'm going to be greatest. John says, no, I'm going to be the greatest. And they're bickering, they're fighting. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? The cool thing, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He, he encourages them. Yeah, that's, yeah, you want to be great? Awesome. But what he does is he changes their perspective on what great actually is. He changes their perspective on what it means to be great. He says, you want to be great? Be the least. You want to be great? Serve everyone. That's what you got to do to be great in my kingdom. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Again, these are the words of Jesus. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So this is the same instance uh, that we just read in the Gospel of Luke, but it's just in the Gospel of Mark, and it's just a different account. Instead of Luke's perspective, it's from the Apostle Peter's perspective, and um, he just uses different language. Instead of, instead of being the least, he says, be the last. Be the last and be the servant of all. Uh, and just a really quick side note, um, kids matter to Jesus. In these two instances, Jesus used kids to make his point. Kids matter to Jesus. They, they matter. And, and he said, whoever welcomes these little children welcomes me. Whoever welcomes the kids, whoever loves the kids, whoever pours into the kids, they, they're doing that to me. Kids matter to Jesus. And if they matter to Jesus, they should matter to us too. I don't just see that up there, what they do, the, the kids' classroom out there. I don't just see that as babysitting. Like, those people are pouring into the next generation of Christ followers. They're, they're, helping, to, they're helping you make disciples of your kids. We should care about kids, too. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Again, the words of Jesus, and whoever makes himself high will be made low, and whoever makes himself low will be made high. Here's an instance where Jesus uses literal positioning to make his point. Um, if, if we make ourselves high, God's going to make us low. If we make ourselves low, God's going to exalt us. He's going to make us high. And, and like we discussed a few weeks ago, this is all about servanthood. This is all about serving. And lastly, the smoking gun verses. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. Again, the words of Jesus. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Jesus was not above serving other people. Jesus was not above serving other people. As a matter of fact, he says it very plainly, this is why I came, to serve. Jesus wasn't above serving other people, and if we, as his, if we call ourselves his disciples, if we call ourselves followers of him, we shouldn't be above serving either. It's actually a part of who we are. It's, it's actually in our DNA. And so when we don't live a life of servanthood and, 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 and we, when we don't have a lifestyle of serving, we're actually going against who God 
called us to be. If he came to serve, we're here to serve too. In the first week of our series, we learned, um, again, we learned that, that as Christ followers, it, we're called to serve. Over the next three weeks, I want, I want to explore together who we are called to serve, who we're called to serve. And today, like I said, the title of my message is Called to Serve My Family. Today, there's one central thought that I want to talk about, uh, one thought that I think it's crucial to understand, one thing that we have to, we have to, have to, have to know before we leave here today. That thought is this, your family is your first ministry. Your family is your first ministry. In the, the Roman series that we finished up a couple months ago, uh, I had a, a message where I, I talked about how we're all ministers of the gospel. The Apostle Paul says that we're all ministers of the gospel. Your family is your first ministry. It's not just the pastor's job to minister. It's not just the church staff's job to minister. Every single one of you who is a Christ follower, it's you are a minister of the gospel. Well, Pastor Ryan, I don't. I don't know how to preach. I'm not an elegant speaker. That's not what ministry is. Again, in the same message, if you remember, the word minister means to serve. The word minister means to serve. So to say that your family is your first ministry, I'll say it another way. You serve your family first. Serve your family before you serve anything else, anyone else. Your family is your first ministry. It starts at home. This may touch a nerve to hear this. Like, Pastor Ryan, like, you don't understand. My family's not open to hearing about God. My family doesn't, my family doesn't want to hear anything about Jesus or church. Like, I can't, I can't be a minister of the gospel to my family. How am I supposed to do that? There may be some kind of unspoken boundary about, around faith with your family. Um, if that's the case, that's challenging. That's hard, and I'm sorry. But that doesn't change the fact that your family is your first ministry. If you need some biblical backing for that, never fear. I have some for you. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says this, If anyone doesn't take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That is in the Bible. Let me read it one more time. If anyone doesn't take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In the original language of the New Testament, that word for care is, uh, let me see if I got this, pranaeo, pranaeo. Can you say that with me? Say pranaeo. Oh, come on, Anchor Church. Say it like you mean it. Say pranaeo. There you go. It's a Greek word, and it means this, to provide. Think of beforehand, to provide for one, to take, uh, to take thought for, uh, care for a thing. And this word care care for your relatives, it's all-encompassing. It's taking care of somebody in every single way that you can, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Physically, emotional, emotionally, and spiritually. If anyone doesn't take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. Not as bad as, not almost as bad as, worse than an unbeliever. Here's why the Apostle Paul says that. That might sound harsh. It might sound like, uh, like jarring or shocking. Here's why he said he's, he's not saying it to make you feel guilty or, or shamed or anything like that. 
He's, he's trying to make the point that even pagan people, even people who don't serve God, even people who don't believe in God, even they will do their best to take care of their family every way they can. Even they'll do that. And if we're not doing that, at least we're worse than, than non-believers. We're worse than people who don't even believe in God. Not as bad, not almost as bad, worse. Your family is your first ministry. Um, you might hear this and think, like, Pastor Ryan, that's great. Like, my family is my first ministry. Awesome. I don't know how to minister. I don't know how. I don't, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an elegant speaker. Here's the good news. You don't need to be. You don't need to be. Or, again, ministry means to serve. Serving your family first because your family is your first ministry. Family is your first ministry. I would say the most effective ministers of the gospel are those who are the greatest servants. The, mo- the most effective ministers of the gospel are those who are the greatest servants. Your family is your first ministry. How in the world does serving communicate the gospel, Pastor Ryan? Let me tell you the story of a guy named Cody. Cody is a, a friend of mine uh, back in Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, uh, Cody was radically saved through an experience with the love of, of Jesus. And um, like he was, he was atheist. And then he had an encounter with the love of God, with the, the presence of God. And it changed him in, the, in an instance. And he became a Christ follower. Um, fast forward a couple years, Cody met uh, this beautiful young lady at church, and they got married. Her name is Benin. Um, Benin is a first-generation American. Her family is Muslim from Iraq. And uh, Benin was Muslim as well. She also had a radical encounter with the presence of God, and she converted from Islam to Christianity. And so um, Cody, this American white boy, marries this, um, marries this converted uh, uh, Iraqi uh, Christian now, right? She's, she's Christian now. And, and now all his in-laws hate him because they see him as the American who brainwashed their daughter. And so like by his words, by his words, family functions were really awkward. So um, he told me about this story one time, uh, or he, he told me about this instance one time uh, where they had a chance to go visit her family. They lived in Michigan, uh, Dearborn, Michigan, I think. They lived in Lincoln. They were going to drive to Michigan, and they were going to go visit her family for about a week. Um, again, like, she, she converted from Islam to Christianity, so that all but, like, that all but severed all the ties for her and her family. Like, they almost disowned her because of that. Um, so needless to say, there was a lot of tension there. So anyways, they were going to see her family, and Cody told me, he goes, before we left to go to Michigan, I made the decision I was going to serve them like they've never been served before. Anything they needed, I was going to do it. And, and he did. He said, what, he said whatever they needed, if, if they needed the trash taken out, if they needed the dishes done, if they needed errands ran, um, he was going to do whatever. They needed the bathroom clean, he was going to do it. He, anything they, did, they needed done, he was going to do. I think he even tuned up their cars himself, like by his own hands, with his own money, he tuned up all their cars. Like he wanted to serve them really well because they hated him. And he's like, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve them. And by the end of the trip, they're getting ready to leave. Um, they, they could tell like the, the relationship between Benin 
and her family was being restored. It was being mended. And they were leaving, and her dad, Benin's dad, hugged her and said something to her in Arabic. And then Benin and Cody left, and when they got in the car, Cody asked her, what did, what did he say to you? And she said, I mean, she's in tears because she's never heard her dad speak like this. And so she's in tears, and she said, my dad just praised me for marrying such a good man. And then, I don't remember exactly how, how he said it, but, um, but, then, but then she said, he called you the chosen one, which in, in Arabic, that's, that's basically a way of saying, like, I can see your God through you. I can see God through you and your actions. So, so Cody had an opportunity to reveal Jesus to these Muslim people because they, they, weren't, they weren't going to be open to hearing the gospel from him, like hearing it, right? So he had to show them. He had to show them. Cody, through his actions, was able to show his in-laws who Christ was. You say your family isn't open to hearing the gospel? Show them. I can guarantee you that Cody's in-laws were not willing to hear it. So he showed them. Your, your family's not open to hearing it? Show them the gospel. Show them unconditional love through service. Show them the grace of Jesus through making yourself the least, the last, the lowest. You want your family to experience God? Show them God through service. Help them to know Jesus by serving them the way Jesus would serve them consistently. Your family is your first ministry. Notice I just said consistently as well. It's not like just one time is going to do it or, you know, every, every other month I'm going to do something, some kind of serving thing for my family, and that's, that's going to do it. Consistently, consistently doing it. It's a lifestyle. It means all the time, consistently serving my family. Now, I don't say this. I don't say that to imply that I do that well all the time. This is something I'm still growing in, if I can be completely honest with you. I have my good moments, and I have my bad moments. This week, I had a bad moment serving my family. I was making eggs for myself for breakfast. Robin asked me if I could make eggs, too, for her, and I started giving her a hard time about it, you know, all in the name of joking, but I kind of didn't want to because I was like, oh, I got to get the eggs. I got to get everything back out and do it. Well, you know, I was giving her a hard time. I ended up doing it, right? But, like, I didn't do it cheerfully. That's not serving. I did the action of serving, but my heart wasn't in it. It's not cheerful, right? Like that's, that's, not, that's not serving. But on the other hand, one thing I'll always do cheerfully is I will always rearrange my schedule to ensure that my family's taken care of. So give you a little example. This, this past Monday, I was supposed to start back to my normal work schedule. And uh, with a newborn, um, you don't get a lot of sleep. And so Robin happened to not get a ton of sleep uh, on, on that, that evening, or that, that night. Um, and she was supposed to be home with all three of our kids by herself while I was working. Well, she just couldn't do it. She, she, she needed sleep. And so at the drop of a hat, I switched my schedule and I made Monday my day off. I was supposed to, I had all these plans to you know, work through things I was going to do for work. And, and I knew my family needed me. So 
I switched my schedule to make sure my family was taken care of because my family is my first ministry. Now, really quickly, before you guys disengage and tune out, I understand that not everybody has the freedom to rearrange their entire work schedule to meet the needs of their family. I totally understand that. That's what worked for me. That might not work for you. But maybe you have a hobby that regularly competes with your family or your family's needs. What an opportunity to die to yourself to serve your family. What an opportunity you have to die to yourself to serve your family. Hold on, hold on, Pastor Ryan. You went from preaching to meddling. You're meddling in my life. I don't like it. I want us to become more like Jesus. I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm not trying to offend. I just want us to be more like Jesus. My point is we should always be looking for ways to serve our family because your family is your very first ministry. We're called to serve our family. Worship team, you can come back up to the platform. Think about it for a minute. If you, if you need to or want to close your eyes to just envision, imagine, you can, you can do that. Think about it for a minute. What it would be like if we took this calling to serve our family seriously, what would it be like? What could God do in our families if we made the choice to make our family our first ministry? If we made the choice to serve our family first before we served anyone else, before we served ourselves, what if we made that choice to serve our family first? If we start taking the call to serve our family seriously, I believe it'll knit us closer together. It'll knit our families closer together. Instead of struggling, instead of just holding everything together, hoping that it lasts, you could actually thrive and grow as a family. Instead of each family member looking out for themselves and, and hoping that it doesn't cause too many, too many waves or make too many ripples, like everybody makes a decision. We're going to serve each other before we serve ourselves. What an amazing thing that would be. What an amazing thing that would be. Because when, when everyone in the family is serving everyone else, everyone's needs are taken care of and no one's being selfish about it. What if making the decision to serve your family each and every day, making the decision to think of them before you think of, of yourself, before you think of your needs, thinking of their needs, what if making the decision to put them before anything else could actually make you more like Jesus? What if living the call to serve your family could actually make you more holy? What if? Could you imagine your family actually being able to see God through your service to them. What if that's the missing link? What if that's the only thing that's keeping your family from serving God is, is you serving them, you showing them? What if, that, what if? What if you could lead your family straight to the heart of God just by serving them? Of the world's three great institutions, the family, the church, and the state, the family is the oldest and the most sacred. God established the family 
first. God's design was always for us to serve our families first. And when we do this, we're living our purpose. Your family is your first ministry. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Um, challenging as it was, God, I, I pray that, um, God, I pray that, that it, wouldn't, it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other. It, wouldn't, it, would, it would root itself deep inside of us and it would change us, God. How I want to be changed. I want to be changed, God. God, make me more like you. Make us more like you and let it start in our families. Let it start in our families. What we're going to do right now is we are going to just take a few moments and just respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Maybe, maybe he's speaking to you right now. Maybe, um, maybe you need to spend some time praying or maybe you need to just spend some time just meditating on what you just heard. We're going we're gonna to have just a few minutes where we, um, where we just respond. I want to I wanna encourage, I want to request that nobody leave just yet. Nobody, nobody walk out just yet. Let's not, let's not rush through this moment, rush past this moment. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does best. Um, so if you could stand with me and uh, we're going to, we're going to sing another song. You can sing if that's what you need to do. You can pray. Um, you can meditate, but, but let's respond to the spirit of God this morning. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you've entrusted us with the families that we've had. God, that, what, the families that we have. God, that you have blessed us with the families that we have. Help me not to take my family for granted, God. Help me not to look past my family. Help me not to uh, overlook my family. God, I want to serve them well. I want to serve them like you would. Teach me how to do that better. God, teach us how to serve our families better, how to be more like you, God. Thank you for this, this word today, God. I, um, I am challenged by it, and um, I know I need your Holy Spirit to help me live it. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Really quickly, before we're dismissed, um, I just have a few next steps that I want to challenge you with this week. Um, and these next steps are just tangible things we can do to take the message and apply them to our lives. This, uh, the first one is this week I will memorize uh, 1 Timothy 5, 8. If anyone does not take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he is denied the Christian faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's a challenging one, but I think it's one that we need to know. We need to, to understand. Second one, this week, I will seek an opportunity every single day to serve someone in my family. And it doesn't have to be this super extravagant uh, action or, or something. Like, it, just can, it can be something really small, but, but look for an opportunity every single day. And then finally, this week, I'll invite someone to join me at Anchor. Um, 
Statistics say that 86% of first-time guests at church came because of an in-person invitation from a friend, family member, or acquaintance. Um, I want to challenge you. Invite someone this week. Invite someone to join you at Anchor uh, for next Sunday, and, and let's see what God can do through that. Um, let me say one last prayer, and then we can be dismissed this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. Help me. Help us. We want to be more like you. We love you, God. And finally, may the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing you in all wisdom. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.